Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest ITM podcast slash vodcast, recorded live and, of course, available on demand. We're now bringing our conversation to life with added video. The purpose of the ITM vodcast series, of course, is to gain insight from some of the most influential leaders in the industry. The key difference is that we want you to really get to know these amazing leaders so that we can, when we're finally together again, you'll already feel like your firm friends with plenty for you to get talking to them about. Today, it's my great pleasure to introduce someone that I very much enjoyed working with earlier in our careers. Joining us from Seattle, Washington, it's Mark Hollyhead, Division President at Agencia. Hi, Mark. Hello, Scott. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Very well indeed. Good to see you. Great to wish see it you. In person. Wish, wish it was in person, but there you go. Yeah, one day soon, I hope. And can I say it's an extra pr- a privilege as a fellow Brit to meet a real-life president, Mark. I don't get to meet too many of those. Uh, thank you for that. Yes. Division president. Thank you. That's, uh, I'll take that one and um, g- graciously accepted. Good stuff. So, um, of course, your career is a fascinating series of roles. Why don't we start by just, just helping our, uh, our listeners just to understand just a quick run through of your, your career for those that may not know? Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll sort of go backwards so people can get a picture of what I've done. Uh, I'm currently, yeah, heading up Agencia during these Fairly fascinating times. Um, I've been here for 10 years, so a Brit based in the Seattle area. Moved here in 2010, um, heading up the Americas. The brief was, how do we grow Agencia? How do we get it moving? How do we, how do we uh, validate this platform story, um, building on all the goodness that Expedia had given the leisure industry? And then how do we bring that into corporate travel? So I uh, headed up the Americas, then became COO, and then recently uh, divisional president. Prior to that, uh, I was in the telecoms business with Vodafone, um, running a part of the UK transformation. And then uh, where you and I know each other from was British Airways together. So I was at British Airways for 15 years uh, in a number of commercial roles, sales, uh, operations, um, around the long haul uh, inventory management, pricing, revenue management, uh, set up all the contact centers, uh, was part of the team that was the BA.comization of the airline um, back in the early noughties. Um, and I guess my last role before I left was I ran the passenger business for Terminal 1, 3, and 4, uh, and also opened up Terminal 5 um, and ran Terminal 5 on the passenger side for, yeah, two years. It's fascinating, Mark. You've done so many leadership roles in commercial and and operations, not many people actually cross those two areas, do they? It, it, it's a sort of a, tends to be a different mindset in each one. I, I'm an old time sales monkey, as you know, so I can only do sales kind of stuff, but that, that must give you quite an advantage being able to get a grip on both sides. Yeah, I think the common, always the common thread has been um, the, in the airline business particularly, but I don't think it's isolated to that as, as the years have passed is, uh, you know, commercial issues become how do you operationalize them? So the, the idea that you can understand what you need to do to go to market and then make sure that you can deliver it end to end through people and garner followership to, you know, an idea or a concept and start understanding the different levers in an organization. If, you know, it's just been the bridge. And I, I've just been very lucky, I think, to work for good people all the time that are prepared to take a bit of a risk on you on yeah, you can do that, or you can go and extend your role into that, and that probably needs sorting out. There's a problem in the corner there. Uh, I've sort of been labelled over the years with 
something needs fixing or something needs working on and, and, and Mark can tend to go and get after that sort of stuff. So I don't, I think commercial operation, I think it all comes down to, I think most jobs in most companies, legal, brain surgery, and a few other things aside, I think you get into, um, you know, most people can do most jobs if you just apply yourself to some common logic and you take on a philosophy of lifelong learning. You've, you've made that sound very straightforward. So I, th- I think it gives you real enhanced credibility when you can do those different things. And obviously you've held leadership roles on both sides of the pond. Um, what's your experience of that? What's your experience of living and working and leading organisations in the US versus the UK? Yeah, I, I um, not the first of all, the, 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 you know, the language is the same. Uh, so working uh, with Canada, the US and the UK predominantly, I, I found there's more similarities than differences that, I think the workplace and uh, is uh, very common. You know, the, the the wanting to do things uh, the right way, work together, um, build the unit that is going to be successful. I think the same things come to the fore. The big differences, which surprised me, were uh, the more similarity between something like the cities or the regions. So there is, funny enough more similarity in the culture and the way of doing business in London and New York as there is, you know, New York and Seattle. Um, and I, and I, I think it's just cultural differences of a very large landmass in the United States. Uh, and then the UK has this affinity with the East Coast, I think, more so than the West Coast. Um, and then the thing that probably I got, had to get used to for a long time when I moved to Seattle was, you know, the world says goodbye to you very early in the day so you you tend to start your day very early and uh, by the middle of the afternoon you actually get some time to think because the only people who are you know alive are people in asia pacific or um uh, you know your fellow west coasters so I've, I've actually found it more similar than different um but you know i'm you know strange brits how you come across i'm, I'm hungry for feedback so i remember early on in seattle you know speaking the same language uh, the, the, yeah, we're doing this, had a slightly different, you know, we're doing this and we're going to commit to doing this, had a slightly different flavour. I think the UK has a very direct way of doing things where people, you know, get on with it. And what I found personally, and it's just my personal experience on the West Coast, it, it is more of a discussion uh, on how you get things done and uh, what pace will move, uh, which is just there to be understood. N- not better, not worse, just there to be understood. Fascinating, a yeah, difference in cultures and uh, it just uh, the melting pot makes everything much more interesting, doesn't it? But yeah, I'll, I'll ask you, Mark, of course, like all of us, you've had to lead the organisation virtually over the last sort of year and more. And it's quite widely recognised that some of the elements that we've adopted during this time we might take forward. What kind of challenges is that give you? How on earth do you lead an organisation the size of Agencia whilst not being able to meet most people? Yeah, so very early on, uh, I, I've First of all, we're a global business, so we're in over 20 countries. Uh, so I think we've got used to working in a virtual environment. But I guess what this has forced over the last 18 months is the only way to do business is virtual. Um, and during this period, of course, we've had to blend the management of an operation, um, a massive amount of change to adapt to the situation, um, and all the way through continue to um, get people on board and help people understand the decisions you're taking and of course be there for people during pretty trying times so across Expedia group uh, we have you know we, we've 
we, we purposely took on a mission of, you know, we know what we've got to do in order to stay, you know, a healthy business through that period and beyond. Um, and we said very early on that the, the engagement of people uh, and making sure there are many forums for people to understand what is going on and to help them with any issues that they're having privately and personally in dealing with working from home or working remotely or a change in their circumstances, you know, we chose to lean in and, and understand those things. So it's been, an e it's been an evolution that has been heavily driven by the feedback received from people on what you need to do. And I think the conclusion I've drawn is uh, you can't over-communicate, but more importantly, you can't over-engage. Uh, you're setting people up for the for where well, you're setting up forums to tell people things is one thing, but as the pandemic went on, the opportunity just for people to talk about what they're doing and how they're doing it and what they're facing um, was a new thing for me. You know, you almost spent your time setting up a forum and talking for 20% and 80% was discussion because people didn't have the office environment or the opportunity to collaborate in a manner that they've been used to previously. So, it, you know, that, I think those are, my, those are certainly my reflections is over the time, understanding and adapting what people need in order to get through this has been the, you know, the real success. And, and, and I think one of the things we'll continue to do is to make sure we set up the forums and the, the Zooms and hopefully the in-person to just listen and hear what people have got to say uh, about their own environment and how we can make the business more successful. Amazing, isn't it, that we can take positives like that, that we, we're more conscious of how we communicate and how messages land. And I think that's really important learnings. So thanks for that. And now there's been some rather big news involving the agenda. So I've got to ask if we were missed not to. And I know that due process is being followed. So you're understandably not able to say too much. But can you tell us what kind of benefits the tie up of, the, of a TMC, the likes of which the two that are potentially uh, going to be taking place here might create? Sure, I, and I, I assume you're referring to the, the news on uh, Agencia um, uh, receiving an offer to be acquired by GBT. Uh, for, first of all, for anybody who's listening now or on demand, uh, we, we're still, th this is still very much, Agencia is still very much part of Expedia. And um, yeah, we have received an offer and now we're going through the, the due process with regulators and uh, important workers' councils and employee groups to, uh, for them to understand and ask the questions necessary to uh, make them feel good about accepting the offer that GBT have made. Uh, look, first, of, first and foremost, you know, <laughs> the biggest, uh, the, 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 um, you know, the, the worst kept secret is we, we're in trying times in the travel industry. So I, I think uh, yeah, this is a strategic transaction. Uh, that I think would have, you know, we would have been discussing this type of thing anyway, because ultimately, whatever happens with the marketplace, um, customer's choice is going to be you know, first and foremost. And I think there's over the years that we've been in travel and the listeners or the viewers have, have been in travel, the, the market has changed and, and uh, the, the need to serve different segments of the market um, is there for everybody to see. So I, I think what this brings is two things. It, it, it brings scale to an, an organization at a time when there is obviously consolidation happening. Um, and then secondly, for Expedia Group, it, it brings a, a healthy relationship in an area that is, Expedia Group's been in corporate travel um, and now choosing this pathway as a shareholder. 
uh, in GBT. Also provides a you know a, an opportunity to still grow corporate travel with the partnership with the Expedia inventory. So I think there's two things. There's one which is an obvious scale play at a time where there's consolidation, and then secondly, you know, serving our customers in a number of ways um, using different models together. Uh, we think there's huge benefit in the marketplace, and if Expedia as a shareholder can enjoy some of those things and GBT get access to some of the best inventory in the world, we think those are pretty good reasons for a future thinking deal. Understood, and thanks for saying what you can say on that, Mark. I know there's a, a line to tread sometimes on these things, and of course, it's an example of consolidation in the industry. We've even sadly seen some failures as well in the TMC sector through the crisis. Just a, a few words on how you see the, the landscape of the TMC sector playing out over the next year or so. Yeah, it's, uh, I think that, so I, as I mentioned, I think there's some inevitability and we're already seeing it, uh, that just we're, we're all waiting to know what the size of the market's going to be. And depending on which white paper you read uh, on any given day or week, um, you know, we're, we'll wait and see. And, and those are things that we don't control. Um, I think the, the things we can control is trying to think best about how we run our business for today. Because one of the ironies is throughout this period, agency, and I know many of my TMC colleagues have done the same thing, is you, know, you have to commit to your customer. Even though you're maybe not being paid in the same way as you were previously, committing to your customer at this time is important because although there aren't the, the, the usual rigmarole of the transactional business, it's been a big undertaking where there's new strategic questions being asked um, and uh, there are different problems to solve, whether it be refunds or redemption tickets or credits or a resetting of policy. You know, TMC's being there for the clients at this stage is important. Um, and as we go forward, hopefully as demand returns, we can get back to some level of normality, if whatever that looks like. So I, I do think there's going to be a fundamental shift in um, the drive for consistency in the experience. I think what this has told us during this period is the importance of, of the, the being able to thread the needle of data. Um, and you know, the, only, the only way, or certainly a, a proven way to do that, is make sure that you own the research and development into the platform or the technology or the solution you have, which makes your stakeholder, i.e. a travel manager, feel good about the data they've got to answer the many questions that they're being asked today. So I see a greater emphasis on end-to-end -end experience. Um, I see a greater emphasis on the, uh, the travel manager or the buyer being in a position that is a strategic leader um, that manages everything from you know, the usual savings and scorecard that they're used to, right through to the protection of human capital and the people on the road and being out, be able to answer real time what is going on. Um, so I think continued consolidation is going to happen. Um, I think there is a need to continue to invest in solutions that are not dissimilar to what you're seeing with other B2B and B2C software as a service businesses, because they, they, they generate scale through the investment that they put into technology and through the, the, the opportunity to give a solution to a company about something that's core to their business. Um, so I think those are the two big shifts for me. Inevitably consolidation, which is already happening. And then secondly, this sort of commitment to uh, investing in the areas that we know travel managers will need in order to manage travel going forward. Fascinating, you touched on so many interesting topics there. 
the, the payment model, the fee model that's in place, I think there is justification for review of that, given the work the TMCs are doing with, with such lower volumes. And then you talked about the you know, ownership of the technology platforms gives you ownership of the development roadmap. And yeah, I think that could become uh, quite a differentiator going forward because there's so much complexity to cut through, isn't it, to try and simplify through these tools. Do you think that that, that could be quite a differentiator, the way that different TMCs can cut through it and explain at the point of booking? I do. I do. I think. I think we. You know. To. I, I don't like the analogy, but there is a bit of an arms race here. Of y- y- there's a commitment to the future, which is a. It's just a strange time to talk about the investment in the future of travel when we're still waiting to know what natural demand is really going to feel like. Um, but but I do think there's going to be a travel industry. I'm hugely confident there's a corporate travel industry. I think we're all feeling the benefits of wanting. We're all missing the benefits of being together. Um, now, is it smaller for the next three to five years? Probably, um, but I don't think it's going to be that much smaller that there's not going to be a corporate travel industry. Um, and I, I just think you know, the customer in the form of the business customer, but also the travel is just an incredibly powerful force. Uh, that I'm used to the best consumer experiences. And now inside the workplace, if you just look at some of the software models that we have got used to inside organizations that just work, that make me feel good about the experience that take friction out of my day-to-day lives. And, you know, they're automatically working inside my company as a, as a cog in the wheel of an important strategic element like travel. Um, I, I, I think it, there's an arms race here to make sure you're investing in the right things because that's going to be the minimum expectation. Agree. Uh, you know, the, the value of that face-to-face meeting when it happens again is going to be so high that people that can solution it the best are going to are going to come out of it well well i've got a question i love asking senior leaders this question because it's so revealing about their style but it's also so educational for all of us to hear and i'll ask you about your recruitment approach so uh you know this is handy whether you find yourself in a position where you're looking for a role or, or whatever it is if when you're looking for a potential team member what what are how do you go about that what are you looking for yeah, I, I look at it, it, it's a, a, a it's obviously a broad question. Depends on the role, but I, just generally, what do I keep coming back to? The, the the first one I'm very conscious of is always um, somebody different to me. Uh, um, we, we live in a we, we live we're trying to solve for global things with um, preferences that we don't that individually we don't understand. So I'm I'm always looking for difference and. As an interview style, I choose to try and interview for difference to make sure that somebody disagrees with me so, we, so you know what you're going to be working in. So that's just a, a general point. But in other things, um, a bias for action is always one thing I'm looking for, is, is somebody who can uh, assimilate their thoughts, um, create their own critical thinking about an idea or a concept or the work that they'd be doing, but then have a bias for action. I think, I think, again, we live in times where there's only so much information and, and better is the enemy of good, right? If you can just keep moving things along on a path that is aligned with a robust plan or vision, then those are the types of people who are going to feel good about the work they're doing because they feel like they're achieving and they feel like they've got the empowerment to take action. So I always look for people who are going to embrace the idea of um, you know, biasing action. And then I've got a bit of a cliche one, which I use fairly often. And that's, I think I look for people who are equally good in scratching with the chickens 
as they are with soaring with the eagles. And, and hopefully you understand that. It's, it's people who can go and dive in and, and are comfortable diving in on, on detail and the issues, but equally can enter into a discussion about you know, strategy and where we're going as a company and contribute and, and be devil's advocate as appropriate. So I think, yeah, th th those are the things that I, I thought about Ma massively as well. I think fits in with all of that is this natural curiosity because there's just more than one way to do anything nowadays. And uh, the, the, the pace at which things move demands you to have a different point of view to perhaps what a market or an industry or an existing player would tell you it needs to be done it, it, with, with how a player thinks it needs to be done will tell you how it needs to be done. That's great. I love that. I mean, there's limited use for someone that can only operate in certain planes, isn't it? So I'll take, we take your, your scratching the chickens and sawing the eagles to heart. Equally, you know, a, a series of clones of Mark Holly, Mark Hollyhead would have a lot of use, but not, not necessarily what you're looking for. Yeah, yeah. So last few minutes, uh, we turn the questions a bit more sideways, Mark, to, to get to, you know, you just a little bit better. So um, first of all, during the, the pandemic, we've all worked in a very different way. We've all uh, lived in a very different way. What have you learned about yourself over the last year or so? Uh, that uh, I'm, I'm not great working from home. Um, I, I, it's, it, it was fine early on. It's like, oh, this is convenient. You get a bit more time in the day. But I'm sure everybody would uh, empathise with the, in, you never, you, where perhaps we were never really off because of cell phones. Uh, we're never really off now because I have this guilt thing about, well, I'm, I'm at work. And, and so I have to physically remove myself and go and do something else because home is now the workplace. Uh, I, the... The, the unity and the family and the work life isn't terrific. I definitely need to separate those two. Try, trying to manage the dog barking, people at the door, um, daughter's homework, you know, all, that, all those good things is, uh, is pretty tricky. And, and then um, I, I think you, to, to, you asked the question earlier on around the engagement with people and the teams. I think I've learned that, you know, the, the value you can bring, this is not just me, it's anybody, the value you can bring just by having connection with people and, and chewing the fat, um, you know, it's got a, an enormous amount of business development value because uh, as you're making decisions that have been tough over the last 12 to 18 months, the idea that you've built trust into the system through this weird virtual means um, has paid huge dividends because people get where you're coming from if you've perhaps had the conversations about how things are and how the business is going and how we're all feeling about where we need to go. Agreed. It's funny, isn't it? Early on, there was a novelty in people's uh, lives encroaching onto the, the Zoom call or whatever. But now, if, uh, if you're talking to someone and Amazon delivery doesn't arrive or a dog doesn't bark, I start to wonder what kind of life you've got. You know, it's, it's, it becomes very, very normal. So also, let's move that on a little bit further. How would your best friends describe you, Mark? Uh, I, um, I've got, I'm very lucky to have daily contact with a group of four of us who grew up together. Uh, so I've known them for 43 years. And um, I, I still don't think we all know what we do for a living. We don't talk about those things. Uh, I, I think one of them is a trade minister for the Middle East for the UK, but I think so. He's in Dubai or something like that. So he's, he's one of those characters. How would they describe me? I, I, I'm, I'm usually one of those people that is, they'll, they'll probably call me gregarious and fun-loving, but I'm, I'm the bit of the butt of jokes because... Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm just, a, I think that's it. I'm generally the butt of jokes, but I'd probably say the same thing about them. I think that, that, that's, uh, 
I don't I don't like to take uh, things too seriously with friendships and and uh, talk about anything else apart from anything that's serious. That's really nice. And it's so funny that so many of us, our very best friends, have not a clue what our jobs are all about, and that's just fine. Just the way. Just the way. Okay, so tell me, um, outside of work, and I'll also maybe exclude parenthood because that generally gets quoted here. But what are you most proud of or passionate about? Uh, I, I'm most proud of just experiences I've had. Right, I, I, I've chosen you know, whether you choose a path or whether the path takes you. I'm just I'm proud of taking risks and going after things in personal life and private life. You get, you know, I want to do that. I tend to go and do it, whether it's bizarre sports or traveling or visiting countries or taking jobs or moving the family. I think they'd probably say something else, but those types of things were just taking risks and taking, you know, living the life to the max. Okay. What about something about you that might surprise our viewers, listeners? Uh, did it, did it. Oh, uh, I well, when I lived in New York, I trained to. I went to the Scratch DJ Academy and wow. got trained as a uh, as a Scratch DJ. So yes, I was I was at Run DMC's school in the in the in the uh, late nineties, and then oh, I, I yeah that was that. And and then I, while I, while I was in New York, I got mugged, burgled, and arrested in the same week. There we go. There's two things for you. That's good. And I love the fact that, like a lot of people I respect, you've got a sort of secondary career in case you need it one day. <laughs> no. Yeah, that would be a not, a not a successful venture, Scott. <laughs> I don't think you can scratch these days. You can't scratch an, an MP4 file, can you? So, um, <laughs> this is true. Okay, so what about what's your favourite drink? Uh, cold white wine. Very cold white wine. Has to be very specific now. Sounds good. Probably not at the time of the morning. It is with you right now, but no, over here, over here right now, that would work. Uh, favorite album? Oh, that's terrible. You can't. That that that's so day of week week of it, it, it's. Uh, so what would top of mind be? It's always it, what you're listening to now. What's what? Or you always come back to? I mean, the question itself, Mark, really dates me because, of course, kids these days they don't listen to albums, do they? That's not the way they consume music at all. Question: What are you streaming? Which <laughs> song are you streaming for 15 seconds? Is the question now. Uh, so I'd go uh, always return to definitely maybe by Oasis. Always return to that, uh, and then the second one, probably the most nostalgic, would be um, uh, live from the Roseland Ballroom in New York by Portishead. But you remember Portishead back in any UK listeners? Portishead was part of the sort of trip hop scene in the in the nineties. That, yeah. That's an album. That that's a live a, a live performance with full orchestra without rehearsal and it's amazing some pretty good 90s cred from those two there mark uh, okay so last two questions um what's happiness for you uh what's happiness uh, uh probably something weird like i'm a big i'm a big um extreme cyclist so i go up hills so it is something weird getting the euphoria out of pushing a bit too hard up a hill and getting muddy and feeling the heart beating from the, te- uh, from the chest. It's not at the time, but it's afterwards. That, that's a sort of emotional happiness. And then just, look, the, we, I think we all supply labour. These are trying times. Yeah, the happiness for me is, is having a laugh with close friends and family and, and making sure that you've, you know, you've got the balance of life where you can look at yourself and not take yourself too seriously. 
Here, here. Okay, like that one. So, last question. This is, of course, with a great benefit of uh, hindsight. Twenty hindsight's twenty twenty, isn't it? But what is it? Your, either your motto in life or the piece of advice you would like to have given your younger self? Uh, yeah. So, the, I'll, I'll I'll repeat what I've just said as the as the second one, and then I, yeah, look, I, I I've always has held me in in uh, in good stead is uh, treat others how you want to be treated yourself. Um, I'm. I just think yeah, we we're a community either in in place or spirit or globally, and we've all got a role to play in being happy ourselves and having fulfilment. And I think we can all help each other by um, you know, having that that means of just you know do things how I would expect to do things, and I think that feels good. And then the second one is I just the, the world is very serious in an, on a number of fronts, and it's aggravated by the media and it's aggravated by so many things today, real time, but uh, I would say don't take yourself too seriously. You are definitely one thing that you can not take seriously, and that's going to provide you with uh, you know, good mental energy for the future. That's good advice. And I, I think especially if we return to some kind of normal life, we start going out and about. I, I'm very interested by the fact that you can learn so much about someone by the way they interact with the serving staff. And that's just something I've yeah. forgotten all about that. My goodness, it's revealing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mark, Very thank, you so much. thank you so much. I know you're a really busy man. I know you've had a busy morning already today. So thank you very much for joining us on the ITM Vodcast podcast. Pleasure. Thank you. And uh, good luck to everybody out there. Thanks so much, Mark. Well, that's, all, that's all from us here at the ITM podcast today. Thank you once again to Mark. We're so grateful that you could join us and we'll see you next time. Take care.